Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. Second half. I don't know, not technically second half, but now past the all-star break feels like second half. It already feels like it's been a full season. It does. We've had a weird measure of like what a full year of hockey is for two plus years now. Thanks to the thing that happened. Time is irrelevant. Yeah, time truly is irrelevant. Doesn't matter. Flat circle, all that. But yeah, we are on to the latter half of the year for the Red Wings. Kind of does. At the same time, it does feel like we just started, though. No, not even a little bit. This feels like we're going into game 75 for me. I fully agree with that statement. (laughs) All right. Well, that's just me then. Yeah, like I feel like we should be prepping for like end of season stuff right now. <laughs> Not, oh, we're going into the second half. We kind of are, though. It feels like it with the prospect profiles. Well, yeah. Cause. yeah. Um, we had a couple remarks from people after last episode. One, a lot of people were extremely relieved that the last jersey went up. And I have no criticism of them because you are absolutely right. That jersey <laughs> took way too long to put up. It's also like... Again, we're in a one and a half story on the upper floor, so hanging the jerseys on a slant, uh, slanted wall is more trouble, really, than you'd think. But they're up now, and uh, quite a few people like your hoodies, Brad. Really? Yeah, your Bauer one, your CCM one. They actually loved your CCM one. Oh, I was so excited when I was able to get that one, because that wasn't one we carried in my store. I had to get it directly from CCM, so I actually... I forget what I had to get. I think I broke an ear loop on my helmet or something. So I had to order one, a replacement from CCM. And when I was on their site, I'm like, oh, that's nice. Hmm. Add to cart. <laughs> well, for those of you asking where to get it, that's where you get it. Yeah. Evan, how's your so, weekend? Short. Always way too short. What did you do this time? Paint? Um, what did I do this weekend? Not a whole lot of anything. Just a little, It was a sampler pack. Okay. Uh, Any hot tub time? No hot tub time. Mm. I would have no been mad tub. if you That's did. That's why I'm sore today. You're sore every day. All right, folks. Uh, welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk to you about Red Wings hockey. Probably for the last time this year, the All-Star Game. Thank goodness. Uh, and all things in the world of the NHL and beyond. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco. And I'm Evan. Uh, On today's episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast, we'll be talking about the news that broke not too long after the last episode, I think like 12 hours or something like that. Uh, Sean Horkoff named as the newest assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings. Thanks, uh, Steve. After after the little ball of hate left Detroit, um, we'll be taking a look at what the Red Wings second half looks like, what our expectations are and what to look forward to. Uh, We'll be talking about the All-Star Game, how Larkin did in the fastest skater competition. Inevitably... We'll have to talk about the All-Star Game in general, the show that was put on, the the breakaway competition, which was either extremely fun, extremely corny, or both. Um, and then we'll be getting into today's prospect profile. So we started last episode with Shane Wright, uh, and today we have another big name on the board, which might be relevant to Red Wings fans. They all are, but more relevant. And then uh, some NHL news if we have time before getting into overtime. Before that, you guys know what I want to talk to you about. 
the Jamie Daniels Foundation and our initiative uh, to support them, which is called Wings Money on the Board. It's a campaign where you make pledges uh, based on the Red Wing season. So you can do things like make a pledge for every more outsider shot on goal, you know, 50 cents or 20 bucks for every Lucas Raymond goal. You can go as big or as small as you want. Uh, you make those pledges and donations at the end of the season or on special one-off events. There's awesome uh, giveaways involved as well. Uh, visit wings or sorry, wingedwheelpodcast.com slash blog and click on the wings money on the board post or visit jamiedanielsfoundation.org to find out more about that organization and what they are doing. So appreciate all of your support already. More than 10 grand raised on the year. Hell yeah. Like from Jan 1? No, 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 no. On the season. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> You're like, I've been looking down for a long time. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I, okay. The, the latest series of Ryan shouldn't read the comments, but he does, is <laughs> a comment I read was, I really struggle watching this because i really like watching podcasts on youtube and i i really like the podcast itself but something about the way ryan looks just makes me feel like he's so smug <laughs> not what i they said specifically not what we say but just the way i look makes him feel like so smug. it was mel <laughs> yeah probably it was mel, mel. <laughs> and hey look you might not even be wrong but i, <laughs> I promise you that's just my resting face <laughs> take that as you will I laughed at that one. That there, is good. Yeah. That's not as mean as normal. No, it isn't. I like that there was some flavor to it. Yeah. At least. The ones that are just outright mean are. Yeah. <laughs> just right to the core. Yeah. Actually, the last time I wore this shirt, which is like, I guess it's more salmon than anything. I would Pink say it. so. Yeah. Without getting into it, there are a lot of people who are passionate about shirt colors, which again, I don't think twice about what I put on before jumping on the pod, but yeah, people had some feelings. See, just do what I do. Don't think about it because almost every episode is uh, a hoodie over my work uniform. I don't need to put any thought into it. <laughs> it's a thing I don't. Um, okay. Sean Horkoff, uh, longtime director of player development for the Detroit Red Wings, has moved up through the rank over time and has been really well respected and highly touted within the organization and beyond. Um, obviously had a storied NHL career. He uh, is the one who is named as the newest assistant general manager of the Detroit Red Wings after Pat Verbeek left. So one of the most, I don't know, commonly thought of replacements for Verbeek was probably the first name put forward from people, but uh, he's moving on from his develop player development role and is going to now be taking on that AGM role um, under Eisman. So well, you would have had to have expected that they'd promote from within, but it's good to see it kind of finalized. And there's more coming, of course. Yeah, well, it makes sense. The strength of the Red Wings behind the scenes over the last few years does seem to be player development with all the success stories between, you know, um, obviously Cider this year, Raymond, Berggren, um, keep going, Johansson. So someone coming from that department is very expected. Um, I think I made a joke about Draper last week, but Horkoff it is, and he's taking over Grand Rapids, and he's already been overseeing a lot of the players in Grand Rapids anyway, so that's going to be a very natural transition for him. Yeah. So it's one of those things it's like tough to give an opinion on because we don't, I don't know what Sean Horkoff is fully doing behind the scenes. So I can't say if this is going to dramatically shift the organization or not, 
I don't think it will. Everybody has seemingly been on the same page for a while, at least since Stevie got here. So philosophically, nothing changes. It's just going to be more the day-to-day operations um, that'll move over to Horkoff. So yeah, it's good. We need to get used to it. Good organizations have people plucked from them all the time. So Verbeek won't be the last one to leave. Horkoff won't be the last to get promoted from within. Horkoff will probably get plucked in a couple of years if something goes well. Like I that, bet Draper will. Yeah, like that's how these things work. So it's uh, the circle of life. Yeah, you mentioned, first of all, you mentioned that he's going to be taking over as general manager of the Grand Rapids Griffins, which is should have been stated, but was assumed with uh, with yeah. Verbeek leaving. Um, and yeah, another thing you alluded to is there's no real, you know, static job description with this. Like Horkoff was already doing some scouting uh, in his previous role and is now going to be taking on a, a, a larger piece of that as AGM. And I'm referencing a lot of, um, if you want a good summary, Max Boltman on the athletic Detroit, put something up, Max, <laughs> Max tweeted going to be taking the next few days off. <laughs> and, and then Horkoff is announced the next day and Max has something out within like hours. I was like, Max, you're about as good as we are at taking days off actually worse. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he's going to have more of an expanded role, a little bit more of a general role. I think what's interesting is what happens next with the player development piece. So Dan Cleary is someone who's worked uh, as the assistant under Horkov for a while now um, and is the favorite for it. And Max also mentioned uh, Nick Cronwall, who, like you said, Brad, has had a big impact, especially with the European players coming over. Uh, him and, and the rest of the, you know revered Red Wings European contingent over there from scouting to development. He's been doing some good work over there. So I don't know. I don't know really what to expect from that. Are they going to want to keep Cronwall over there? Does Cronwall want to stay over there to be closer to family? Is he interested in coming to Detroit? It's all stuff that's an option. And, um, you know, you don't get too worked up over it. You you don't get too passionate one way or another. Because again, for the millionth time, there's no exact formula to a winning organization and what these jobs are. You bring in good people and they'll find their way. Yeah. What have we learned more than anything over the past couple of years is a lot of people can do their jobs remotely just as well. Yep. <laughs> more meetings though. That's the problem. It's just so easy. Oh, to that was a massive gripe at work right now. Too many meetings. You know what the big thing is, is uh, no meeting Fridays. And, oh, and I, the best. No, it's not the best. Because, yeah, it is. No, because then there's a no meeting Friday. So your Fridays, everything gets squeezed into four days. And then inevitably someone has a meeting that trumps the need for no meeting Fridays. And then they just book in your Fridays. We have no Friday. We have no meeting afternoons Friday. Maybe a little bit more manageable. But that's just common courtesy. Don't book someone in on a Friday afternoon. Oh, I just book meetings over top of other people's meetings now. <laughs> it, it, I've, this is my biggest complaint at work right now is there's just no time to actually do anything because all we do is meet. <laughs> just meet, sit there, stare at a screen. Anyhow, um, the Red Wings have options. There's going to be backfills and backfills and backfills. I'm curious to see when they go external. Not that Eisman hasn't. He's brought in his guys for for various amateur scouting, pro scouting, various teams. Uh, but for one of the bigger ticket hires, I'm curious to see if and when the Red Wings go external. Real old boys club right now. Debate. <laughs> Thoughts? <laughs> it's more like the hockey track right now. Like Cleary and Horkoff, very obviously. Cronwall, very obviously. And those are guys who know. Those are guys he knows, right? Like... Yeah. You can't really tell everything from a job interview of someone you don't know. No, no. So, yeah, more to come. We'll see how uh, Horkov does. I think a, a, 
a piece that I liked in Max's article, if you go read it, was the discussion of how to balance development in Grand Rapids versus, you know, winning in Grand Rapids. Because that's still a pro hockey team. They want to win the Calder Cup every year. They want to compete. But you also want your young guys to develop. And that's, I mean, we're sitting here on a Red Wings prospect, so our bias will always be give, you know, Valeno 30 minutes a night if he wants it. Winning be damned. Develop good young players, win more games. It seems like a simple formula. Yeah. Come on now, let's not overthink this. But there is <laughs> there is something to be said about having a winning AHL team. I, I do think there's – it's an extremely tough job. It's got to be an extremely tough job because I do think there is a trade-off. Like if you spend too much time focusing on winning in the AHL, it actually does come to the detriment of guys who, who need the minutes more so. Uh, speaking of the AHL – it's fun to see Valeno go down, have, obviously have a bigger role down there and tear it up. Four points in the two games down there? Yeah, it's, it's fun. It is fun. I'm not worried about Joe Valeno. No. I, I've I've received a couple messages about people saying, you know, oh, I see a bust. Why is he taking so long, et cetera, et cetera. But we've kind of seen this at every level he's been at where he takes a while to kind of get acclimated up to speed, comfortable. And there's no bigger jump than where, from wherever you are to the NHL. So there have been nights where I'm like, yeah, Joe Valeno's kind of invisible out there, doesn't get a ton of minutes, yeah, makes a few mistakes, whatever it is. But there have also been nights where I'm like, you can pick out a few parts of his game, his decision making, moving the puck into the zone, whatever it might be, uh, where it imp- improves slowly over time. The patient path with Joe Valeno is the way to go. And no, I'm not too worried about it. No, not even a little. He was really coming on the last couple of weeks before the All-Star break anyway. Like that was the strongest stretch of hockey he's played all season. So, you know, you couple that with a bit of a confidence boost in Grand Rapids over the All-Star break. That's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't expect him to be a first line center. I think the thoughts of him being like a number one or even like a strong number two center, those days are, you can't reasonably expect that. But if you've watched this team and you've seen kind of what's out there, a good one-two with Joe Valeno as a solid third-line center is a good future to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go off the rails here for a second. Something that was suggested to me more than once. Nazem Kadri. No. No? Instant no? For what? The Detroit Red Wings. Before I follow it up. You, you do know how old he is, right? I am familiar with how old he is. You are aware of the type of season he is having, yes? Yeah. You think the Red Wings are going to be able to get him on a short-term contract? As an investor, I always say, buy high, sell low. That's true. Yeah. I say the same thing, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I'm a, And I like Naz. Like, I would not be opposed to the idea at all if you could get him on a three-year term, which... Naz, no reality should ever accept. No. No, he shouldn't. Okay. He's looking for the Brinks truck. Yeah, he's literally in our Ross contention right now. Like, what does he get? Like, eight by five right now? Like, no chance. Let's say next- Eight years at five million, right? <laughs> yeah. Either way. Flip <laughs> that either way. It's a no. <laughs> he, uh, oh man, he has 60 points right now. He's currently on a four and a half million dollar year or million dollar deal. Oh my god! Remember, what? remember what Toronto got for him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how old is he? He's thirty two. My god, he's thirty two. We're old. Dead ninety. Oh my god, we're old. I remember when he was a kid. Yeah, that's uh, still one one contract away for Ken Holland to be interested. 
if, also a guy having a career year yeah. at age 32. That just feels sustainable, if you ask me. Two things. It's Kyle Pozo's <laughs> music. <laughs> if there were two things different in this situation, I think this conversation would be flipped, which is the latest installment of my game of uh, if this was better, things would be better. Um, if he wasn't having such an incredible year, and if the next draft wasn't um, Bedard Michkov, I would say absolutely bring in Naz. I'm at the point where I base zero of my decisions around like draft and as free agents around the the actual draft, like who's in it, who's not. Because I just assume the Rotings are now picking between 10 and 20 for the next 10 years. So do not care about that. It's you don't sign a he'll put what he'll be 33 at the start of next season. Coming off a career year, there is no reality where that's a good contract and a good idea. What if he wants to sign super cheap <laughs> for his, you know, love of the Red Wings? You know those players that you like just can never see in your team's uniform. He's he is one of, one of those yeah, guys. For absolutely. Me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I just can't picture him wearing red and white. Even if you could, you know, there's that long history in free agency of the guys coming off career years signing very reasonable contracts the following summer. It happens all the time. I can sure. I can count no examples, but this is the one. This is the one time everybody that it's going to happen. So when when you're tweeting at Ryan and me, please at more at Ryan saying, "Hey, this is the guy that we we definitely can sign short term and for cheaper than expected. Yeah, this is definitely the exception to the rule. For everyone who asked me to bring this up, you are welcome for following on this sword. Uh, and when you tweet angrily, I do ask that you tweet more at Brad than me. Okay. Uh, I get enough angry tweets in my mention of my own volition. Send the rest to Ryan. Tweets are all wordles, man. Well, in between game days, yeah, I don't have a lot. And all my wordles are like at 7.30 in the morning. Bite me. Nobody's on Twitter at that point. The no one out. You are very f- – anyways. Uh, the Red Wings second half has an extremely strong strength of schedule, which means it's going to be hard, harder for the Red Wings on average. I think the last time it was calculated, the Red Wings had the hardest remaining schedule of any team yes. in the league. No back-to-backs this month? No back. No, and February was always going to be lighter because it was that reschedule and they had the break because of the Olympics, which they they filled in a little bit. Oh my god. Yeah, and I just switched over oh, to oh. <laughs> I just switched over to March, which is what Evan is reacting to. Um March is heavy as is April. Oh so, my god. Yep. A lot of bad teams in there too. It was that that's a couple Florida, Tampa. Yeah, right? <laughs> like the real bums, a Carolina or two. So the Red Wings next play on Wednesday night, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern against Philly, and then Saturday again against Philly. Hey, here's our undefeated week. This is this is the only chance we have the rest of the season. Yeah, quite a bit of rest and coming out against the Flyers twice. This is, go it. this is our time to shine. So we saw what the Red Wings started the year with, and we, we saw what they've been since December, really. I think... We're seeing now a kind of settled, normalized version of the Red Wings. A lot of nights where better teams are just going to expose them. Some nights where Nedeljkovic either steals the game or keeps it way closer than it has any business being. And some nights where the primary scoring has some kind of depth help and the Red Wings squeak out a win. So I think closer to a 500 team. I don't think it's going to be devastating like we've seen in years past, but I would imagine they're going to sink kind of towards the those last three spots in the division i will be truly and pleasantly surprised if the red wings finish at a 500 points percentage this year because they 
are a 500 team after just facing the easiest schedule in the league. The only way I say they don't sink to six or lower is if Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal continue to be Buffalo, Ottawa, and Montreal, which they're going to. They're going to. They're going to. It's the Red Wings did build quite a bit of buffer. Unless they all play each other a bunch. Yeah. And somebody has to win. Maybe. (laughs) Watching those games, you'd be kind of surprised. Watching Montreal games, if Montreal is playing a team who's also playing poorly, you're like, Bring back the one point time. <laughs> Evan, here's where I remind you the Red Wings have had the easiest schedule in the league. They've played these teams a lot already. There's not much left. No, I meant like if those teams play one another. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I was like, because we Detroit already swept the season series with the Sabres. That's over. That's done. Victory has been claimed. Which I love how pumped we all were about that. Like the city of Buffalo, which has had nothing good happen to them in how many years. And you have Red Wings fans dunking on the Sabres for the season uh, the series sweep. They're the new Montreal. Ah, uh, I don't know. No one can take Montreal's spot in there. Yeah, that was fair. Montreal Montreal's losing. trying their best, though, because they're going for the 1920 uh, Detroit Red Wings on their own. They absolutely are. Who could have seen it coming? <laughs> Expectations for the second half of the year. Standings, players, whatever you want to talk about, go. More of the same, but worse. I know it's an overly simplistic answer. I still expect strong performances from Larkin, Bertuzzi, Sider, Raymond, and Nedeljkovic. I expect probably worse performances from the handful of players that we constantly nag on, and I don't need to say their names. You know who they are. What I'm curious about more so than for the second half of the season is going to be the fringe players in terms of what are they. Do we see a good second half from Robbie Fabry, Pew Suter, Philip Zadina? Like, are they going to hold their water against – the better teams, the bigger teams, the tougher schedule. I don't know if they will. I, I'm legitimately curious because this is going to be the time of year where, A, they need to establish themselves as part of this, uh, the future of this team or not because the trade deadline is coming up. And they also need to establish themselves because, hey, are you actually good players? Are you worth keeping around when the corner turns? And this will be a very good time to get a gauge on that. Obviously, the young players on this team, they're going to have their hot and their cold streaks. It's going to happen. We've been beating it to death all year. And outside of Mo Sider, it's been proving to be exactly true. And that's going to continue. Lucas Rem is probably going to have a five-game stretch where he pops off for nine points. He's probably going to have a five-game five game stretch where he has one secondary assist. Like, just be ready for it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I'm not because I, I, I do – like what I've seen from the players that actually matter going forward in this organization. And I don't see a lot of reason that's not going to continue, but I do expect free falls, not the right word, but I don't expect them to finish in the standings where they are right now. And I don't think it's going to be very close to this. Yeah. I, my biggest thing is the trade deadline and what's going to happen there, because I think we've seen, Again, I stand by what I've said, which is we've settled, we've we've kind of normalized in terms of output and results. We've seen the best of Lucas Raymond and Moritz Sider, and we've seen like the slower periods. I think not for most Sider. Not I was gonna say I think that more applies to Lucas Raymond than most Sider. But again, it's really really hard to be a rookie in the NHL and have constant output for eighty two games, which is an illustration of how unreal Moritz Sider season is. And Lucas Raymond has by no means been bad. Like, I just want to put that out there. He's still, in my mind, a Calder frontrunner. But Moritz Sider has been out of this world. But, you know, Larkin and Bertuzzi are doing what they're doing. Even if they have a normal dip in the second half, it's still going to be a phenomenal year for them. 
as long as they stay healthy, I think we can see more of the same. Yeah, the Fabry and the Suitors, I think they've been doing really well. I don't expect them to all of a sudden explode and have like Larkin and Bertuzzi type output, but we're seeing about what we will from them every couple of games have them either pop off for output, but otherwise be a solid impact on the ice. I just don't want regression from them. That's all I want. They are playing a tougher matchup, which means tougher roles. Okay, hold the level you've been playing at. Here's why I think they won't regress. I don't imagine anyone get... I don't think Fabry's getting moved. No. I They, just, they extended him. I think they move him now. Nemesnikov might, but I think they'll still be able to keep the talent on those lines because one... Jacob Vrana will hopefully come back either late February or early March. So that's going to keep things there. The trade deadline is going to dictate a lot for me. I think Nick Letty hasn't been having a good season, but losing Nick Letty would still be a hit to the defense. And that's just kind of been the the type of Red Wings defense core that they've had for years now. Having three replacement level left-handed defensemen is not conducive to winning? The Nick Letty return is going to dictate how valuable or how well Eisman did on that trade with the Islanders. You know, that wasn't a cheap pick to spend on Nick Letty. Um, and you have to hope that a team is banking on getting someone in return that's... Or a, t- a team is banking on getting a Nick Letty in return that maybe isn't who he's been this year, but something that he could be for them. Basically, a, a GM overpaying is what I'm trying to say in fancy words. Overall, yeah, I think the Red Wings are going to hover around where they are in divisional standings, probably sink lower in overall standings. Um, but I'd say the last couple of weeks is is what I'm expecting. Trade deadline, Jacob Vrana coming back. Those are the two marquee moments for the, the rest of the season. Otherwise, just enjoy the ride. Oh, I think it'll be a lot of the same. I, I think they should make some move if it becomes available at the trade deadline to maybe help in this draft or the next. Who? Who would you move? Uh man, Nemesnikov seems like the most like obvious on the roster, but like he's proving to be more and more valuable, which makes it difficult. So, but I mean, every player's got their got their price. So if someone comes out swinging for him, absolutely. Um, Nicoletti would obviously be another option, but then the defense is literally a tire fire. It goes from a tire fire to an entire continent full of tires on fire. (laughs) You're like, you're looking at a, maybe you bring Stetcher back and flip him to the left side or something. I don't know. You got to make Like I said, the trades that come become available will dictate what you have to do with the, the personnel that you have. Um, but I hope it's more of the same. I, like we said, the schedule is going to get more difficult, which is not good. It also means you're deeper into the season, which also makes it more difficult mm-hmm. because a lot of these younger guys are not used to the grind yet. Um, but it would, I really hope a Red Wings player takes home the Calder this year. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, but they didn't do any cool shit at the All-Star Games, so they have no chance. Oh my God. I'm so... <laughs> Is it really that impressive that Trevor Zegers did it blindfolded? Nobody no. thinks he couldn't see through the blindfold. I don't think it's impressive because like he doesn't look at the puck when he stick handles anyway. Are we gonna are we talking about this now or are we gonna save no, this for later? I wanna save it for later. Okay. Because first I wanna tell the audience that this episode Because I was being facetious, but like I have opinions on that. And they're not what you would think. I think oh, suspense. Gonna- Clickbait. (laughs) Stay tuned. Uh, This episode of the Wing Wheel Podcast is proudly brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, a sponsor that gives 
Winged Wheel podcast fans what we need even more excitement. Uh, there's so many reasons why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Uh, they're easy to use from registration to deposits and finding your ideal bet. Withdrawals are quick and easy. FanDuel pays your winnings back in as little as 24 hours, and they always have great odds boosts and specials uh, with some big super boosts each weekend. Now listen to this. FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back in site credit if you don't win your first bet. No strings attached. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you get that grand back in site credit. What we want you to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started with that risk-free bet and be sure to sign up with promo code WWP so they know the Winged Wheel podcast sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code WWP. You must be 21 and older and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee, Virginia, or Michigan. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, or Virginia, Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789, 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-270-7117 in Michigan. All right. The All-Star Game. Conor Bedard just killed a guy. Not the All-Star Game, but just in general. I just got a highlight of a goal on my Twitter feed here that I can't... Conor Bedard's a bad I'll have man. to wait one year exactly to have this conversation. Yeah, we will. Sell everybody to get Conor Bedard. I'm... Oh, my God. <laughs> he killed a guy or he scored a goal? Was it like... He killed two people by scoring a goal. Like what Conor McDavid did to Morgan Riley that one time? worse oh <laughs> he stole both their souls send me the clip i want to watch it um the all-star game everyone knows <laughs> everyone knows he could see through the blindfold that was just for show oh we're going right into that okay. yeah look i don't think it's a that i mean it's impressive the move was sick okay it's impressive that someone can do that in, on command essentially I don't. F- I feel like the blindfold is just gimmicky because he can probably do that already with his eyes closed. Who was pretending? It, he knew. He was. He knew it was gimmicky. He was. He was replaying the scene from Average Joe's, from Dodgeball, where the guy put on the blindfold. But we all know he could see through the blindfold. <laughs> and I do not care about the blindfold. No, because that move he pulled off. I don't think people truly understand how ridiculous what he did is. You're getting burned right now, Evan. Me? Yeah. Why? Because you're stupid. I'm. I, <laughs> but I wasn't really listening to what Evan was saying. I'm still thinking about the Bedard goal. But anyways, I clearly don't remember what I said. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. I don't even know. Anyways, doesn't matter. So everybody knows for the most part what the Zorro move is with the puck, which is kind of what Zegers did, where you get the puck on the toe and you kind of wave it like a wand back and forth, like it is. On its own, with two hands skating in a straight line, incredibly difficult to do. But most competent hockey players, you give them enough time, they'll be able to get it down. Like, my dumbass can Zorro the puck most of the time. Trevor Zegras did it on the first attempt. Went to one hand on the stick. Spun around while doing it. And shot it into the net when there was a goalie there. I'm surprised the league didn't call that back because there was goaltender interference on the play. Someone yeah. threw a dodgeball at the goalie. Yeah. It was the Anaheim mascot threw yeah. the dodgeball. Should have, <laughs> that should have been called back. The goalies are are meant to let things in in the breakaway challenge. For, yeah, just to put that out there. Stay in the middle so it makes it look like they at least have to hit the net. Yeah, which, <laughs> hit the net. That's another thing. But 
like everything Zegers did there is exceptional. Now, my favorite part about this, this is how unbelievably stupid the NHL can be, where they, even when they get things right, we knew why Trevor Zegers was there. Hey, let's bring this guy who is a wizard with the puck into the skills competition for nothing else than the breakaway challenge to do some really cool shit with the puck. Trevor Zegers shows up, does some really cool shit with the puck that blows everybody away. It was exactly what the NHL wanted. No, it was exactly what the NHL needed. Earmuffs, children. Because the NHL is so stupid, he still didn't fucking win. <laughs> no, he this didn't went, win. They gave it this to went exactly <laughs> as they wanted, and he didn't fucking win. Win. What did Petrangelo do? Did he Make like the goddamn net with his shot? He well, no, he pulled something off that no one else in that shootout could, and he played put for on Vegas. A Superman, played for put Vegas. Put on a Superman cape. He uh, had the on- Vegas drumline come out and play some shit, and then he came in, took a wrist shot, and put it over the net and won the fuck. I and I understand with everything about this. This isn't for us. This is for kids. Brad's about to go out there and beat up some kids. <laughs> no, I get it. Like. People from Vegas saw what Petrangelo did and went, hey, that's fun as hell. And it is. It's great. It hypes up for the people that are interested. It's good. I would like to see just players come down and do cool trick shots like Zegers did. I don't care about all the extra gimmicky. You're bringing so-and-so's kid out. You're bringing a drum. I don't care. But I get it. I absolutely 100% understand it. That's why I say it's not for me. Okay. But NHL, you made such a big deal about bringing Zegers out for this. Come on. Yeah, they. So for this event, they went way. I think they went way too hard into the let's be like loosey goosey, not take ourselves yeah. too seriously. And I think they missed the mark on it. That's what like. That's like you're trying to be the cool dad. You know, you you wear your your shirt with like a button undone. Same energy. You know, you're yeah. trying to wear your Crocs, trying to be cool. Put them in sport mode. Yeah, you throw them in the sport mode. You're trying to be cool, like one of the kids, and it's like, please stop. Yeah, <laughs> it was like the whole thing with the breakaway challenge is trick shots. There was a shockingly low number of trick shots in an event designed for trick shots. I think <laughs> seeing, I think having them come in, seeing Zegers do what he did, I do. I think Jack Hughes's was the uh, the sweet spot for me is if you want to like make this like fun and whatever carefree. I thought that was cool. I think the double stick toss in yeah. the crowd was oh, cool. It, like it's gimmicky, but it's fun. But see, can't go too overboard. Make it. You, they they do have an opportunity now. Like they saw Zegers do what he did. Players are more and more skilled every year, and there have always been skilled players in the NHL. Like Deking isn't new. Make an analog to the NBA dunk competition. Players want to win the dunk competition. And sometimes, yeah, the scoring and judging for it is stupid on the dunk competition, too. There's a lot of controversy there. But it's at least fun and people have looked forward to it. I think they did things this All-Star game where they can build on if you if you care. And if you don't, you don't. It is what it is. Like I don't, You think the NHL will build on this? No, absolutely. They'll, okay. they'll trip on their own feet. But in uh, an alternate universe where they don't, there are – like Brad said it. They brought Zegers in for the specific reason, and it worked. It's very cool. Everyone watched the move. People who, you know, they can't bring themselves to like Trevor Zegers because they they want more insider to win the Calder or whoever, even those people were like, okay, yeah, that was pretty sweet. So 
Larkin competed in the fastest skater challenge, and, and that was the only competition he was in other than the actual all-star game. And he holds the record, which is controversial because he got a running start for last one uh, for when he set that record. Um, but in my completely unbiased Red Wings fan opinion, I choose to ignore that mm-hmm. criteria. So Same. he is he does hold the record. Um, he was seventh of eight this time. Ugh. Jordan Cairo. Well, he... He uh, came out too hot out of the last corner. Oh, yeah, that's right. And hit the boards. Um, so he... Yeah, but no, he eased up. He eased up. That's what it was. <laughs> Kairou was having a great time. It was really cool to see him do it. He eased up and Kairou won. But uh, actually, good on Jordan Kairou. That must be really cool for him. Young oh, yeah. guy, first experience doing this. Beats out Larkin, McDavid, McCarr, some of the best skaters in the NHL. I thought afterwards he had to go against Timo Meyer, but that didn't happen. Timo Meyer, uh, Timo Meyer was in hardest shot, and they were like, he doesn't usually take slappers. This isn't really the com- uh, the competition for him. Ah, uh, that's the most NHL thing of all time. Cleared 100 miles an hour on a slapper. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, every all of them did. Victor Hedman did. Yeah. Yeah, which is expected. But um, they all cleared 100 miles an hour on their slap shot. Wow. Yeah. That's Even Tom rare. Wilson. Tom Wilson, who came in to replace Ovi, so like maybe you're like, oh, is he really that hard of a shooter, or is he really prepared for it? No, he he came in and cleared 100 on a second attempt. Yeah, I really got to practice that shooting that I know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he's an effective player, just sometimes too effective at hurting guys. Um, they had that thing out in the fountain where Jerry D was awkwardly commentating with like no music and just like water in the background. <laughs> it was look the All Star Game. We've, we've, we'll keep saying it. it's not for everyone. I think the NHL, the NHL has the, sometimes a little bit has the spirit of the thing. You can do way more to have it. I want you to either make it completely fun, like just go all out and just make it like pretty much a party the whole time or find a way to capture the spirit of like the all-star games of old where the stands were full and people were actually pumped about the game, like calling your shot and then sniping a top corner. Gordy Howe coming out to a gra- like a, a standing ovation kind of stuff you know what i think is really cool it's the only thing i really know about the pro bowl other than it used to always be in hawaii hmm. um when they play dodgeball i think that's sweet wait at the pro bowl they play dodgeball at the pro bowl i don't yeah. watch the pro bowl. yeah, yeah they the first do i'm hearing of it yeah they do it's ridiculous it is like the greatest athletes on the planet playing dodgeball that's amazing it's very impressive dodgeball on the ice between like Matt Pucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, with Pucks. The shot blocking competition is essentially what that turns into. <laughs> or like when you're a kid Chris Russell <laughs> comes to the event just for that. <laughs> when uh when you're a kid and you're playing hockey and your coach gives you a soccer at the end of practice scrimmage, like that would be fun. Did you guys ever do that? Did no. you guys ever do the one where they try well you'll skate down the ice and people on the sides will try to shoot tennis balls or pylons at you? The uh, gauntlet. No. Yeah, they should do that. The gauntlets I, th- I my version of the gauntlet was you you skate alongside the boards and there's people lined up like three feet off the boards and you have to skate. That is also heads. called the gauntlet. They should Hockey's, do that as well. Yeah. Hockey's <laughs> not a creative sport. No, no, not a lot of smooth brains. I like when <laughs> they would interview guys or like How's uh how's it being in a new city? I can't remember what players say that said this, but they're like, how is it being in a new city in Vegas? New team guy goes, uh, new. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's great. It's good to be out here and you know with the family and it's a, a great energy and and it's uh, great. It's great. It's pretty neat. It's great stuff. Does the game of hockey change in any way if for the rest of time no players ever interviewed? 
No. No. <laughs> no. Interview only coaches after losses. That's it. Yeah. Or just find a way to capture um, uh, McKinnon's face after Dater asked him that stupid question. Or she's, what? No. <laughs> Anyhow, um, Lark's Larkin would have been better off in the All Star game if they told him it was a game scenario and he had a breakaway. Because UC Saros and seemingly every other goalie was there to just rob him, or like he fumbled the puck a couple times. But his um, the goalie save streak competition, which every player participates in, he had a couple nasty goals, like the fake backhand to forehand, but you're actually sliding it in backhand, and then the fake slapper where you skip your stick over the puck to Deke. Those are both filthy from Larkin. Anyways, that's the All Star game. Metro one, blah, blah, blah. Anyhow, uh, I'm very excited to no longer talk about the I'm very excited to no longer talk about the All Star game just because it just explodes into a bigger thing of the NHL should do this to make it fun, which we participate in, but it's not ever going to be that. And, you know, such and such player is going to win the caller just because of this. And I'm just like, I, I can't bother with being upset about this. So let's move on to something that we can be upset about which is a prospect where we can get too excited about them and then they don't end up on the Red Wings. Brad, who is today's NHL draft prospect profile about? Matt Savoy of the Winnipeg Ice. So, first of all, centerman. Depending who you talk to, he might not project in the NHL as a center, which I'm getting sick of those conversations, but whatever. It's fair. (laughs) So, Matt Savoy is one of those those prospects in the top 10 i feel like just saying that people will understand i have no idea no highly (laughs) skilled old hockey man doesn't love why doesn't love small not super fast thank you yeah there you go um he is on an absolute ridiculous tear in the whl uh right now i think he's on pace to win the whl scoring title as a 17 year old um one would argue he's on one of the more stacked whl teams but when he's the guy leading that team i feel like that point's a little irrelevant um unbelievable skill unbelievable vision great shot unbelievable compete there's nothing to not like about this player other than he's not that big i think he's like five nine five ten and his skating gets billed as poor which is wrong. Like, I know it's a matter of opinion, but it's just wrong. He's not a burner, but he's, he's not getting like, he's not a Giovanni Smith level of skater. Like he's a good skater. Yeah. He's an above average skater at the junior level, uh, which will probably mean he'll be about an average skater at the NHL level, but he just has every other tool in his tool belt. Um, like most junior players defensive game could use some work but I, I, that's true across the board and his compete level's high so there's no way he's not willing to learn once he gets to the next level so i'm personally very very high on matt savoy um he's exactly who the red wings should be targeted he's my ideal scenario for the red wings if they're picking anywhere but one um yeah but there's he's going to be all over the board because he has those two Concerns, uh, concerns which I don't find to be all that worrisome. So, yeah, big, big Matt Savoy fan. I'm not concerned about Matt Savoy skating, but it is something that I'm paying attention to. And it's specifically for that conversation that you hate, which is will he actually be a centerman in the NHL? Because everything that you said, I agree with. I think he's really skilled. 
I think his compete is through the roof. I think the way he can put the puck in the net, either by just, you know, putting the puck in the net or putting it on someone's stick who can, those things project out as a, you know, centerman skill set. But he's 5'9, five, 5'10. Five, mm-hmm. About that. Anyone can get stockier, anyone can build up strength, and, and most guys who make it in the NHL will. But can his foot speed. An ability to skate actually is, is a probably a better indicator of it because skating is more than just foot speed. Can that hold him through as a centerman in the NHL? I'll go so far as to say if Savoy is 50-50 between a centerman and a winger, I'm nervous, really, selecting him for the Red Wings. That said, the Red Wings might be in a situation where he's the only guy remotely close to projecting as a centerman with where they might draft him this, this year. Depending on how the second half of the season goes, it could be further back from 10 than you'd like to admit the Red Wings draft pick. So I don't know. I really like the player. You're right. And I think there's going to be a lot of hate and a lot of questioning of his game because of his size. Um, But you said it right, Brad, if he was a much worse skater and we have seen more like guys just as skilled who are worse skaters come through, I think those were more justified than him. I don't think his skating is so bad, but I still think it's worth a discussion of will he actually project out to be a center? I don't even think his skating is below average. No, no, I don't like, think it's yeah, below like, average either. I would classify it as good. I think I would say I would say average above average, but what do you need relative to your size, right? Like if you're super small, you would at least want some really good skating to counteract that. Well, one thing that helps is being the smartest player on the ice, the most skilled player on the ice, and the guy who wants it more than everybody else on the ice. So pretty good counter to it i think the efforts there oh yeah that is not a question in with savoy at all you don't see a shift off i would just i don't know i'm thinking about the red wings which is probably something i shouldn't be doing like thinking about need but they're just flush they're always they always have super talented wingers coming through the pipeline and you never say no to another top six winger but this team really 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 needs another top six center they need a guy at larkin's level or close. Mm-hmm. If if Savoy is switches from center to wing in the middle of the year, my ranking on him does not change. That good, eh? That good. Okay, that's actually really interesting to know because for me, he bumps down. No, yeah, he stays exactly where he is for me. I'm the doing- gap narrows, um, specifically with Logan Cooley, but doesn't change it. I'll let you go, Evan, before I, I jump into a little bit more on Savoy. Um, I think he's actually a very good skater. Um, oh, okay. That's all ended it there. Um, <laughs> my the only criticism I have of his game is almost half of his points come on the power play, and as a Red Wings fan, that immediately is an issue. <laughs> You've been hurt before. <laughs> I've been hurt before. I, I mean, it's not a one to one comparison, <laughs> but you know, it, it, but it smells like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Yeah, it's definitely you know that's not a, a fair comparison, but um. I think he's definitely more of a pass first type player, even though his shot is ridiculously um, like elite. Um, so I think I would like him to see him shoot a little bit more. It seems a lot of his goals are he shoots because like the chance is like a, a no brainer. Yeah. Whereas he generally he'll pass away uh, something he could easily finish himself. Um, those are my only two real criticisms with him, you know, Obviously, he's not as tall as you'd want him to be, but that hasn't really hindered him at at any point. And we've seen time and time again that guys who are 5'9", 5'10", can still be elite at the NHL level. Um, 
he's got all the uh, tools in an in the elite category. So you know, even his floor would be if every if the wheels completely fell off, he's like a middle six player. I I think he has the the drive and the tool set to be top six at absolute worst. If you took away all of his power play points, he's still like a 0.75 points per game guy. <laughs> it's not just that he's over a point per game. He is well over. He has, what is it, 50 something points? 55 points in 38 games. Yeah. Like he's he's at a ridiculous pace. He's, so Savoy I've seen jump up and down the board. And if you want a list that projects most, I don't want to say accurately because in the world of NHL drafting, it's kind of a foolish thing to hope for. But as close as you can get to the current reality, Bob McKenzie's list, which isn't his ranking, despite the name, it's a poll of scouts, people involved in drafting, et cetera, et cetera, from around the NHL. Savoy jumps in at four there behind Kemmel, Cooley, and Wright in reverse order. So, you know, a lot would have to go right for Detroit for for them to be drafting around there. But I've also seen Savoy fall out of people's top tens, which I think is a mistake. But that would be a great scenario. If Detroit had to draft like 11th or 12th, and all of a sudden they had Savoy fall to them, that would be a fantastic get for them. Because that's a guy who, who very reasonably, as of right now, anything can change between now and July, um, can go top three and no one would bat an eye at it. Yeah, if he falls into the five, six, seven, eight range, that's where if I'm Steve Eisman, I'm getting very aggressive in the trade-up area. Because who else is available that's remotely viable as a centerman? There's Shane Wright. There's Logan Cooley. There's Savoy. Slavkovsky, do you project him as a center? Yeah, but I don't think he's in the same tier as those guys. Connor Geeky. He's not in the same tier as those guys. Frank Nazar. He's not in the same tier as those guys. Marco Casper. He's a tier below the guys you just mentioned. Yeah, like there's there's only so much to choose from, and it's a, it's a posi- premium position. There aren't a ton of defensemen as of right now up near the top so there's not going to be a lot to pull teams away from drafting you know the high-end centerman it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes it's this could legitimately be a draft where like six of the first seven picks are centers we'll see yeah yeah i mean hey if you want a silver lining to detroit possibly sucking for the second half of the year it's you know damage mitigation in terms of making sure that you walk away with at least a centerman in the first round yeah not to say if they're all gone or the Red Wings go another direction it's not necessarily the wrong pick we're talking about just the most glaringly obvious need that the Red Wings have right now. Okay. Uh, very quickly before we jump into overtime, um, the Arizona Coyotes. I can't believe we're talking about the Arizona Coyotes so much, but as of right now, they're poised to move forward. A three-year plan to use ASU's arena uh, f- around capacity of around 5,000. It's been reported to be possibly lower um but there have also been discussions of 20 million dollar modifications and enhancements to the arena to make it viable for the nhl level so i have not seen anything from the nhl or gary bettman to come out and say hey this isn't right we have to find a way to make this work otherwise at the same time like we said in the past the nhl won't say anything about a change until it comes if it is i just don't get the impression that the nhl is going to try anything else other than this buying time for three years window what are we even doing here god i'm so sick of this you're gonna pay 20 million dollars to lose even more money for three years and then dump 
however much million into a new arena to continue to lose money for another 20 years it's so stupid i can't anymore you know what's funny is uh bettman talked about the financials he's like actually some models of like the financials and the uh the limited capacity project out better for the for the oats and really think about that statement. no 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 shut up for a second (laughs) (laughs) i think it might actually be i said the same thing but i think it might actually be true because uh oh i can't remember no i i definitely think it could be true that's why i really want gary to think about that statement because they gave away so many tickets before that even though their attendance might have been averaging like 9,000 or something, they, gave, they were giving away so many or so many were comps that if they make these more limited tickets and they can charge more for them and they don't comp as many, they, they might actually walk away with more money here. It's a ridiculous thing. You're right. It is a ridiculous thing. What are we even doing here? We are quickly dipping into the hysteria of it. I don't know. I, I don't know what else there is to say other than if the NHL is going to do something, they need to have started a long time ago. And I, I just don't think that they have. That's just a guess. It's all speculation, though. We'll see what they actually do. Because of revenue sharing, every other team and the NHLPA is going to be paying for these $20 million. Yeah. Okay. So, like, good. Like, if you're another owner, how are you not fighting tooth and nail against this? If I am the owner, if I'm James Dolan right now, I am kicking Gary Bettman's door down. And demanding he move this team. Takes time, though. Do they Don't care. Do they have time between now and next October to move him to Houston? Fold the team for a year and then start an expansion team. Uh, it's, be- it's better than this. That is absolutely not better than this. There's no way that's better than this. A thousand percent it is. It's a hundred percent. It's not close. It's, it's particularly you lose, close. You lose an entire year of revenue. Yes. Okay. Well, this money's this team's losing money every year. So now the league's more profitable not ha- by not having to prop up the Coyotes. And then you have an expansion team go to Quebec, Houston, wherever, a market that they're probably going to be successful. And now you're making money for the next 50 years? Seems like a win to me. I don't know enough about like the internal law or the internal legal parameters of forcing a team to fold that has an ownership group. Yeah, no, I... Not saying they can do it. I'm saying they should do it if they can. <laughs> Legally, I'm not getting into those waters because I yeah. also don't know. Like, let's say they do pay the twenty million dollars. I don't know that that necessarily factors into the hockey-related revenue sharing portfolio, or if that has to come from ownership or whatever. Like, I don't yeah, think it no. does. Um, but it certainly makes anyhow. It uh, makes an already poor team poorer. The report that came out today was from the Yotes and ASU, I'm pretty sure. So it's not like the NHL put this out and said, yeah, this is happening. But as of right now, we haven't seen a lot of pushback. The only reason I keep bringing it up is because it's such a ridiculous thing. The prevailing comment on it anywhere you read about this is like, what is going Like, what is this? What are we doing? Brad, unfortunately, is right. What are we doing is the right response. Literally, it is so embarrassing. It is. It's embarrassing for the league. You think the NFL would play in a 5,000-person stadium? God, the NFL wouldn't even think- practice in a 5,000-person stadium. Yeah. <laughs> you want to be one of the big boy leagues? You got to act like a big boy league. You do. Like, cut your fucking losses and move on. Yeah. Go to Kansas City. Go to, I don't know, Houston. Go to, go to Quebec City, for God's sakes. Put I don't a, even care. Put a third team in New York. <laughs> like, who cares? Rangers will st- the Jer- New Jersey Devils will still be the least <laughs> mentioned and popular team. 
Oh, the Staten Island fairies. <laughs> Mexico City. Staten Island fairies. Why not Mexico City? Better than bing bongs. No, when they score, that's what they're going to have over the PA system. Bing bong. <laughs> they're going to immediately be my second favorite team. <laughs> it would be about as annoying or as loved as the Woo, for sure. Is there not a- Okay, let's play a fun game. How dumb of a city can we mention where we can all agree they'd still be more profitable than the Coyotes? Kitchener-Waterloo. I think they would. Hamilton. Definitely would. Um, Buffalo. <laughs> A second team in Buffalo? Probably. Would. No, get weird. You're thinking way too inside the box. Um, London, England. I think they would. Um, I'll go Moscow. Oh, 100%. Okay. Helsinki. Oh, 100%. Okay. Um, hmm. <laughs> okay. Honolulu. I actually don't know. I, arena, I, don't, I don't either. I think that's a good The arena thing. would cost $50 billion to build because there's no real estate. <laughs> Build it on the side of a volcano and just have a glass wall on the yeah. one side. <laughs> but I'll still say yes because you they would get people from like the China, China, Japan tourists yeah. that direction, and also Americans and Canadians from the other direction. Tokyo. Um, no. Anchorage. No. I'm just getting ready for overtime. Is this <laughs> successful? Are we saying successful or more successful than Arizona? More successful than Arizona. And I change all my answers to yes. Okay. It hasn't worked yet. Yeah. So th- that's my point. This is how ridiculous the situation is. You can convince, I can convince at least one human being that Anchorage, Alaska is a better option than what the Coyotes are doing. So just come on. We are going to jump into overtime on this episode of the Wayne Wheel podcast, uh, and we're going to start out with our Patreon supporters, uh, who are the reason this show has a heartbeat. They are the um, the foundation of what we do. Anyways, Evan left. <laughs> no, kidding. Patrons, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, Patreon.com slash Winged Wheel Podcast. If you want to support the show, we really, really means a lot to us, uh, to those of you who uh, can't, are able to and do. Um, Evan had to jump out, but Brad and I will be tackling some overtime questions. We'll start with uh, Patreon here. Josh Brink says, Peak NHL is doing an offside review in an all-star game to take goals off the board. What's one event you would add to the All-Star game and who would your all-time best participant in it be? Ooh, good question. I like that. A trick shot competition where they actually do trick shots. I was going to say like a shootout challenge where it's, you know, properly rated. Like they actually try where they allow things like light the stick on fire or wear a cape or whatever, but also like try to pull something off that's cool. And for me, very obviously Pavel Datsuk is the ideal. A full team shootout, but where the purpose of the shootout is goals, not save streak. That way the shooters take it seriously. I want something inverse, like a goalie shooting. Goalies shooting on other goalies for the shootout. Didn't they try something like that where Mike Smith was the only guy who could bomb the puck down the ice? Yeah, but that's all right. I liked the um, like the passing the puck into the into the tiny nets, like the little saucer passes, oh, like the scales thing on so the edge. I thought that it's was one funny. of those ones I respect how difficult it is, but like I, it was visually, it was terrible. Um, a dodgeball full, would be cool. 
like if you use like tennis balls and like actually had them shoot oh it, God, that no. could actually be fun as hell. No, because you could hurt another guy. That's why tennis ball. No, I still think you could with a tennis ball. And the rest of the sport of hockey can't <laughs> hurt you. <laughs> Um, Cody Stark with a cool story here. It says, pretty cool to see Jocelyn Lamoureux in the skills competition. I grew up playing against Jocelyn and Monique and, uh, and Monique Lamoureux as they were from Grand Forks. They played boys hockey until they left town for private school. Never could beat them. Last time I played against them in Peewee, they were up three, nothing going to the third. Jocelyn came out in goalie gear. She'd been playing forward all game. She shut us out in the third. They tied it up and Monique scored on me in OT. As you can tell, I haven't forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually really funny just no you see you got this backwards you're playing against them what i did is i befriended one of the top female hockey players in the world and now she plays for my beer league team you got it backwards man <laughs> connor dukes says thanks for ruining all-star weekend for me i've always enjoyed it you guys made me watch it with a more critical eye and there are near constant obvious opportunities to improve it for everyone sorry connor uh who do you think gets the first goal for detroit after the break i'm going with the obvious dylan larkin here I can't go with any of the obvious ones because that makes it not fun. Philip Zadina. I would actually, hey, he'd be continuing his tear. He's been good. Yeah, he's on a hot streak. And if he can get one early in the second half of the season, maybe maybe that's what gets him going. He said for the ninth time. <laughs> uh, Jeremy Dahl says, hello, gentlemen. And Evan, sorry, Jeremy. Evan had to go to a very important appointment. Uh, so we've been talking a lot about our third periods being weak and how that's uh, possibly on coaching. I don't disagree, but wouldn't a very large part of, of that also be our lack of talent? As the game goes on, they get more tired and make more mistakes. So it seems to be a pretty big problem, especially for a weak defensive core. So the better teams can play a more ple- complete game. Anyways, I'll take this off air. So here's the weird thing um, in terms of goals for and all that fun stuff. The Red Wings are one of the best second period teams in the league. So do with that information whatever you will. But um, I, the lack of talent is the Red Wings' main problem, period. But I actually don't think it has that much to do with the third periods. After coming away from that Toronto game, like having some time to decompress from it, I, I think also we are we're factoring in too much of like the pain from before because the Red Wings used to actually be worse. Believe it or not, yeah. like it, it used to be substantially worse. You look at their on ice impacts and you look at like the reduction overall in blown leads. It is there. Um, and, and so you have to consider that there is improvement. We just have a little bit more of a critical eye because of the sensitivities to it. So you're also not wrong. Like the talent is a thing. Uh, we're going to take some Reddit questions. Big Daddy Toph says, when the Wings are contenders, who will be their postseason rival? I think the Rangers' timeline could be somewhat similar to the Red Wings. With the If they keep the same structure, it'll it'll almost certainly be someone from the Atlantic, just because they're going to play them twice. Based on players' age timelines, I don't think Florida's going anywhere for a long time. I agree. I think Florida. I also think Tampa Bay is not going to deconstruct as quick as people think. And they already kind of hate each other, which is remarkable considering the uh, difference between them. Red Wings have had some scrappy games against Florida and have obviously have a history with Tampa Bay. Let's just say the entire state of Florida. Hey, the anybody's personal or any state's relationship with Florida is either love or you know advocate to saw them off and push them out into the ocean like that yeah <laughs> it, like send them floating into the gulf 
And so that carries over into hockey as well. Um, I, I hope this rivalry uh, works out because I've got so many America's dick jokes ready to go. <laughs> the Honestly, the only teams I could see Detroit not having a big rivalry with are Buffalo Montreal, Montreal because I think they're going to they're going to be worse for a long time. I'm not buying what Ottawa is selling. We're I, in year one of the five year run of unparalleled success, despite the rebuilds very definitively being over. I also don't know about Boston. I again, I've said this a million times. I keep betting against Boston, and it keeps biting me in the ass. But they have to do. They do have to turn down at some point. If you look at the Bruins roster for players under the age of 30, it's not good. It's McAvoy and Pasternak, which is a great start. Don't get me wrong, but there's not much else there. <laughs> okay. Uh, Elvish Blood 24 says, should Valeno stay in Grand Rapids and who should we let walk in the offseason? Well, if these two games are uh, any sample size, he's too good for the AHL now, which is a great development. Um, he was picking up steam in the H- in the NHL before, so... My vote would be bring him back for Wednesday, but eh, I'm not super hard pressed about it either way. I think that's the the balance, right? Like if you, for one reason or another, want another guy up or he's just really having a hard time in a stretch of games, send him down. Who cares? He does well over there. It can't hurt in terms of at least a confidence boost. He's going to take a while to hit his stride truly at the NHL level. So patience is fine i just don't want him yo-yoed wherever he is is where he is yeah I d- do not give this guy the chelowski treatment not one game up five games down three games up two yeah. games none of that none of that garbage if he's in grand rapids after the all-star break he is there for the rest of the year if he is in detroit he is there for the rest of the year save for grand rapids playoff run players to let walk uh after the season i vote danny de kaiser <laughs> i think you're gonna see mark Stahl brought back nope you're you're gonna see it Oh, do I think it will happen? Yes. Yeah. Would I? No. Sam Gagne really just depends. Like Gagne, Rowney, you can put them all in a bucket of like, depends on what they get out there on the market, how many players make it, et cetera, et cetera. Who they trade at this deadline. Who they trade at this deadline. I let Grice walk, honestly. There's yeah. no need to be paying him 3.6. No, absolutely. He's gone. He's it's he's He came in just to essentially hold the spot. He's done fine. It is what it is. This is Nadelkovic's net. Get him a young viable or Pickard's an acceptable backup. Yeah, that's fine. And beyond that, I don't know. Actually, I don't even think Helen Pickard signed after this year. Nemesnikov, if he doesn't get traded, I want to see re-signed yes. actually. Yeah. Is Calvin Pickard? No, Calvin Pickard's a UFA after this year. There we go. Yeah. Victor Bratstrom, come on down. Snidely one whiplash says looking for your bold predictions on who's in the opening day lineup, October, 2023. 2023. Johansson. Edvinson. Uh, Sabrango. Sabrango. Sabrango is actually probably the only thing in there remotely close to a hot take. Yeah. Um, um, okay, you want to you get hot takes? Connor Bedard. <laughs> Hold on, I got it. So 2023, so that's one more full season after this one. Mm-hmm. What's the hottest take I can give where it's actually somewhat reasonable? Carter Mazur. Oh, that's a good one. He was an overage as a draft year. He's putting up unbelievable numbers in Denver this year. So you give him one more full season, he could be straight from NCAA to the NHL. Carter Mazur is the feature on our next We Love to Be Wrong segment. Yeah. Like he's been phenomenal. Yeah. Um, 
Nitrex Nitrexic says uh, they mentioned who are the draft ta- uh, targets you're expecting to fall in the Red Wings range. Lakara Mackey is catching my eye. We are going to cover that in more detail. Yeah. Um, uh, I haven't dove deep into more than five prospects at this point. Um, so just who consistently being mocked in that area that have caught my eye. Lakara Mackey is a good one. And, uh, it's early, but as of this moment, I'm a big, big Frank Nazer guy. Cronin, and this is a funny one from Cronin 98 before we wrap up here. Since I just wanted to point out how last episode mentioned how clutch Larkin is in the breakaway and how he missed the net in two breakaways in the uh, Central versus Atlantic game. Like I said, it would have been better if it was a game scenario. <laughs> Um, anyhow, we're going to wrap up this episode of the Wind Wheel Podcast. We're going to be back with you again on Thursday. So it's going to be another Sunday-Thursday split this week uh, just because of where the games happen. So um, if you haven't listened to episodes, it's a good time to catch up. But for now, thank you all so much for supporting the podcast. Thank you to the sponsor of this episode, the FanDuel Sportsbook, and to all our name-level supporters on Patreon, uh, Arjun Shanker, Eves Bartels on behalf of the Sarah Grand Foundation, Kyle Karagitz, Nick Perks, Brett Bailey, Terry, driver of the number 69, Crying Ryan Hansman, and Simon Jamathong, Taylor Tadgel, Matthew M. Rice, B. Diz, Carl Brutanen Analuski, Chimmy, Citizen High Five, CJ Sully, Craig Kibble, Derek Enstam, DJ Denton, Give Blood, Fight Probert, Greach, Hanali, Hassam Al Qasem, Jay Gollum, Jacob Turner, Justin and the Angry Mob, Kaitlin Wood, King Tone, Kyle Hashman, Licking Windows for Fun, Matt McKay, R.A., Ryan Hubbard, Scott Martin, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags, uh, Your Friendly Neighborhood Window Peeper, Zach Spring, Alex Blackmore, Andrew Bohan, uh, Sam Bankson, Adam I Wish I Could Finish Like Ernie, Antonio Gracias, Babe Landiscog, Ben Barron, Brad's Dad Moan, Connor Leighton, Dave W., Eatin' Ass, Smoking Grass, Eric Sankowski, Evans Bingo Card, Five Minutes for Fucking with West McCauley, James Laporte, Jeremiah Dobo, Jeremy Brocker, John Evans, Josh Yelton, Kevin McCracken, Quaz, Logan Stahl, Matt Keeler, Matt S., Max $1 million, Revy DeLuca, Terry Actual, Trevor Pevavar, Zach Handyside, and Zach McCann, a driving range superstar. Thank you all so much. We'll chat with you Thursday. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.